Hello. And we're back. Yes, uh, hello. All right, so before we even get this train wreck started... The apology. No, there will be none of that crap. I'm putting links in the chat to do, in case you guys want to look at the voice cast. It's just easier to use the behind the voice actors links. Because IMDb links, the way that IMDb does theirs, they'll, they'll list one voice actor, and he'll, that voice actor will have played four different roles. So I saw Captain America last night. I it's, don't care if you spoil it, because I'm not going to see it. And it's, worth, it's worth the two bus trips. I know. It does suffer some uh, a slight case of Avengeritis in the second half. Well, that's because that's the whole point of the Captain America movie, is to get you ready for Avengers, isn't it? I thought it was to tell a fun story with the director from The Rocketeer. Mm, okay, so there could be that. All right. Let's see here. So other than the fact that you did not watch Captain America and stuff, it's... <laughs> you act like that's a bad thing. Yeah, that's a bad thing. Well, hey, you know, I have like... Besides the fact that it would take two buses or one bus, I, I only have like, I don't know, $4 to my name, so I wouldn't have been able to go anyway. Well, that's kind of sad. Let's yeah. see here. Are you ready, Neil? Let's take a quickie break. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007. With the Webcomic Beacon, its newscast, the Tropecast, and Web Fiction World. You know, you can take a break from stupid things on Tumblr to go look at something useful. I would feel cheated if one of my friends said, hey, I wanted to share this comic book, and they gave me three pages torn out of the comic book. <laughs> Depends upon whether or not the action girl is capable of penetrating the wall of stock footage that the magic girl throws up while she's prepping. Not only hung over, but I also accidentally ate spoiled cream cheese, so I also had my own uh, food poisoning. Um, Anti-traditional publishing much? Um, no, it's not, nothing to do with that. You'd have to be buried like hazmat, like in a salt mine. <laughs> <laughs> For three years, I've shown up once a week and tried to be serious. <laughs> <laughs> and normally, we just sit around talking about boobs, but... Uh... Web comics, comic news, tropes, and web fiction, all at webcastbeacon.com. All right, welcome again to Animation Aficionados. Uh, tonight we'll be t doing X-Men side-by-side, X-Men, uh, Fox's X-Men versus X-Men Evolution. I am your host, Ben, and we're joined by my co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. Let's go, Bob. And we have with us uh, TFG1, Mike Blanchard. Hello. And uh, I have not seen anyone complain on social media quite as much as you do, Mike. What are you stalking me? Because I can't even find you on Facebook. That's because I deleted my Facebook. Uh huh. Because I don't do Facebook. I project my thoughts as I'm watching stuff. It's not just with X Men cartoons. It's with anything. That's what that's what the internet is for. So people can get together and bitch about stuff. Didn't you hear? So what? So you have seen all four seasons, all episodes, and. Has your opinion changed at all? Okay, here, here's the thing. Yes uh, or I, no? I, it's a hold on, hold question. on. It's not a... It's, I, I can't give you a definite answer, yes or no. Here's the thing. <laughs> I grew up watching the Fox series. 
that was my introduction to potentially reading comics. That was like, oh, hey, watch this cartoon, and then maybe you can go read these comics if you like the cartoon. Uh, with Evolution, by the time Evolution came out, I was 20 years old. I was beyond cartoons. I'd seen a couple episodes here and there. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I didn't really pay any attention to it. Having gone through Fox's X-Men and having gone through Evolution, I like things from each series and I dislike things from each series. But for me, in the end, nostalgia is going to win and I like the 1992 series better than Evolution. But it's nostalgia that's swinging the vote, huh? That's the way I always vote is nostalgia. <laughs> now, uh, now, now I will admit that I did see issues with the 92 series I'm not going to deny that that series does not have issues yeah, however I can just watching out of pure enjoyment I can overlook a lot of the issues X-Men Evolution it's the same thing if I'm watching for pure enjoyment I can overlook some of the issues but there are some for me there are some glaring issues in Evolution <laughs> The better animation is just so hard to take. See, I like both animation styles because they are so different. It's not the style as much as the studios doing it. See, and, the, and, and, and again, I need to point out to your listeners that I just know what I like and I know what I see. Like, from what I see, okay, I like it. If I don't like it, I don't like it. I don't pay it. I've never paid attention to what studio does what. Like, every time I would watch... Um, the Bruce Tim commentaries. He would say, oh, that was TMS, or oh, that was this person, or oh, that was that. I'm like, oh, okay, it looks great to me. You know, so I mean, it do- for me, it, it doesn't matter who does the animation. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. Okay, I, do well, not, I do not dislike Evolution's animation. I dislike the character portrayals that Evolution took. Because it actually had some. Well, yeah, because of the Fox series, you have, uh, you have uh, Scott Summers, who was literally castrated on screen literally and you have you have an evolution of scott summers with massive massive balls <laughs> he has his moments in evolution but he's still a douchebag in evolution uh, uh, come on he, he you're talking about you come on you saw the, the first three episodes of season three and you're like he's a douchebag what no up until that point he's a douchebag Come on, you you watched the Take It Raw scene and you're totally unmoved. No, I liked it. I thought it was great, but one scene does not a character and then, make. And then the scene where he where he locks Mystique up. Okay, okay, two all right, two moments out of fifty two episodes. In the scene where he he glares down Wolverine and takes charge over three moments out of 52 fucking episodes I can keep on doing this and uh, you'll be like 267 moments out of <laughs> <laughs> fuck you guys I'm going home <laughs> come on you saw Blind Alley you don't think he's a badass saw what Blind Alley I mean that was nice but and it was a nice way for him to go after Mystique, and it was cool and all, but mainly my problem is, between the two series, I said this to you guys off-air, is that, for me, I like what they did with in, in the 92 series, where the characters were out of school, they were adults, they were dealing with adult situations. 
But that's but that's you, what I like. But, I cannot no, fucking stand this whole thing of oh hey, let's let's show us going through school and learning how to use our powers, and let's show Scott Summers being the ultimate douchebag and not just going up and slugging Duncan in the face and just saying. Gene's mind, you asshole. That would have made the series a hell of a lot better for me with Scott Summers if he had just gone up to Duncan, punched the fucking guy out, and just be done with it. But you're missing the point that mutant hood was always an analog to puberty. That's why X-Men always picked up to young teenage readers. And for and for a, a series to capitalize on that, it I don't think of that as... It was a risky move. I will, I will agree with you that it was a risky move, but I think it paid off. And I especially like the idea that they forced themselves to be clever with what they did with Rogue by making her just an absorber versus giving her the uh, the Miss Marvel powers on top of that. Well, she ends up getting the Miss Marvel power, not Miss Marvel powers, but she ends up getting the power of flight at the end of the damn series because she does fly a couple of times, even even after. Apocalypse absorbed all the powers that she had that what even after the power transfer. Um, the thing is, though, the whole you know thing about the the thing I have about the two series is I grew up during the '92 series. By the as I said a second ago, by the time this series came along, I was already in my twenties. I, I wasn't out of cartoons, but I wasn't really paying that much attention to them either. So. This just, uh, like, I respect Evolution for what it's done, but as I, I said, I just prefer the old series better. But, I mean, you have you have an apocalypse that actually has four horsemen who aren't, like, scrubs. Oh, God. I, I hated that. Oh, the the four most powerful mutants on the planet were his, were his horsemen I, this time. That's, that's like... That's like uh, Carly pointing out to Megatron, why are you going to let Sentinel make you his bitch? I mean, seriously, that that's the same thing as, as equivalent. And as far as Apocalypse and Evolution, Apocalypse and Evolution is, as far as the voicing goes, and I, 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 lo- I, I have nothing against the animation in Evolution. It was I've- David K. voicing him. I know, it was David K. voicing him, but hold on. Two things I have nothing bad to say about about evolution is the animation style because it is its own and it is unique uh and the voice cast the only issue i have with the voice cast is the fact that david k voiced both professor x and apocalypse professor x and apocalypse talking together is basically beast wars megatron professor x beast machines megatron as apocalypse it's the same voice (laughs) And uh, and when hot and when Iron Eye talks to Optimus Prime, it's Peter Cullen talking to himself. When it's uh, when it's Brian talking to Stewie, it's uh, Seth MacFarlane talking to himself. I don't see what your point is. My point is the voices for Professor X and Apocalypse are too similar because it's the same guy doing the same voice. Oh, blank. And when like, the Stewie okay. talks to uh, Brian, it's the same voice. Entire cartoons where Mel Blank is the only guy talking. Yeah, it's. Uh, Okay, Come but on, Mike. all right, but hold on though, hold on though. Bugs Bunny does not sound like Daffy Duck and vice versa. That's my thing. Professor X and Apocalypse, mm, they don't really sound alike. I am Charles Xavier. I know who you are. Then you know I've merely come to talk, to discuss what you're planning. And I have planned nothing. I am but an instrument of destiny. 
but it's a destiny of destruction. The future came to me in that craft. I have embraced it and merged with its technology so that I may lead the evolution of the human race. The human race does not need your help. <sighs> Since when has mankind ever known what it needs? You have to know that somehow you will be stopped. What I know is... It will not be by you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, c come on. So you didn't think it was awesome how you have Xavier as death, you know, Magneto as war. You didn't think that was awesome? Not really. I mean, I, it, was, it, it, oh. it, it was great for what it was, but it was like, wow, you're going to use them against their... The, oh, God, no. I prefer one of the reasons why I like the original Apocalypse story in uh, in, in the ninety two series is because I like the uh, story that they told with Archangel slash Angel with, with Warren Worthington. I like the way that the ninety two series handled that. But they did an episode in this series, the one with the Spider Key, which was an excuse to have the original X Men from Uncanny Number One in, in a cartoon episode together. That was awesome. Huh. I'll grant you that. I, uh, again, you guys should know by now I know nothing about comics. So, Well, the original X-Men team in the comics was Angel, Gene, Scott, Beast, and Iceman. Yeah. Which is... Uh, you know, that, that, that was another thing I did like. I liked this... Ver I, I like Beast in the old series. I like his overall character after he's established... But I prefer his origin story in Evolution. What about the? What do you think of Rogue's host, whole story arc? I, I want to know. Well, I got to tell you, uh, I was sh one of the one of the reasons why I, I don't like the Horseman is because I, I don't know if it. I don't think it happened in a previous episode. But like once Mystique put her hand on the thing and she went to stone, I thought that was it. And then all of a sudden, at the end, Mystique shows up as one of the four horsemen. How the hell did that happen? You missed one. You missed one critical point that happened between them. Something that had to do with Rogue, where Rogue pushes Mystique off the cliff. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think of that as part oh, of? No, yeah. I mean, as far as Rogue, but, but but that's what I'm saying though. If Mystique was in the, if she was in the statue, we saw Rogue push the statue off the cliff, and it crumbled supposedly destroying Mystique. And every time that Apocalypse destroyed somebody himself, you would see this giant flash, and oh my god, they're gone, because we're supposed to think that they're dead. My problem is with Mystique is, how the hell did she show up at the end when her statue was just destroyed and there was nothing there showing that, oh hey, this is her spirit flying off or whatever? That was one of the th secrets of the series that they never revealed, that they promised to reveal if they had another season. Yeah. But overall, I didn't... That oh, didn't... <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things that... I'm sorry to interrupt you, Ben, but that's one of the things that really pissed me off. Uh, when they did Dark Horizons, I think it was the season three, the, the, the two-part story in season three, going into season four. Yeah. Uh they should have ended season three right fucking there. Why the fuck do you need cruise control to be the season three finale? That's so fucking stupid. You didn't like the episode <laughs> with with uh, Mara. I like. 
I would have liked it if it was like somewhere else. Like if it if was they a re- they, they put them... it they put it in the production order, not in the airing order. In, no, in I'm, the not, I'm not. I'm not talking about production order, airing order, whatever. I'm saying like as far as continuity of the fucking show, you're telling me you're gonna have this epic two-parter with this epic story, and then all of a sudden, no, hey, we're going on vacation. Fuck you and fuck this series. It's just off to no end. Seriously, it's like, why are you going to have all this character buildup and all this awesome story in in Dark Horizons, and then you're going to put them on a fucking boat? Ah, screw it. Well, what characters did you like? (laughs) (laughs) I liked Wolverine. Uh, Again have issue with him a little bit just because it is Scott McNeil doing the voice and I can hear bits of Dinobot and other stuff that he's done because Scott does use sometimes the same voice for multiple characters. Uh, But I did like Wolverine overall. Um, I really enjoyed how they played out the Wolverine World War II story with Captain America. I thought that was really, really well done. Um... I'm so fucking glad they did not bring in Lady Deathstrike into Evolution. Oh God, that's that's my one one of my one issues with one or two issues with the '92 series. That has got to be the worst animation design, character design for a character ever. Lady Deathstrike in the '92 series. Oh and, God, and one of the worst voices. I'm Lady Deathstrike. The Yuriko Yunu no longer exists. I am Lady Deathstrike now. Yeah, that that was horrible. <laughs> but, I, I, but the, I you guys that about the '92 series. That was horrible. But um, one improvement the series like, had was Gambit was actually had a real Cajun accent. I disagree with you on that because I went back and I I actually went back and I watched one one Gambit episode of the '92 series and one Gambit episode of Evolution, and I think the like 90, I think the '92 series got it better. The, there was only. Gambit oh, episode of Evolution, and you know what? Molchevi! No. Molchevi! No, it sounds like a retard trying to sound French. Uh, other characters I liked, I liked Kitty Pride, and I, I liked uh, I liked Shadowcat in this, um, in well, Evolution. There was, no, there was no Shadowcat in 92. Evolution, I'm talking, you asked me what other characters in Evolution. No, I'm just making a point that, you know, there, were, there was no Shadowcat in 92. I know. I'm just saying it for our viewers. Okay. In Evolution, I liked Shadowcat. I kind of liked Avalanche, but, you know, he needed to make up his mind already, damn it. I mean, it's it, he's, he's kind of like one of the only characters in the entire show that just straddles the fence between being an X-Man and being a, a member of the Brotherhood. Pick a side already. Um... I can't, I can't, I hate fucking Toad. Worst, one of the worst characters ever. The only time I actually liked Toad is when he <laughs> got electrocuted in the first X Men movie. Same thing that happens to everything else. Uh, I don't like how at the end of Evolution, why the hell Spike needs some sort of like Dino looking Spike suit. Well, they basically Spike tested really poorly with audience. So well, they, no shit. So they needed to write him off, and Spike was the weakest character that they had because he's a skateboarding skateboarding punk that has has Storm as a as a an ant. So people yeah. hated him. <laughs> that should be like a new rule for like all cartoons: is that 
If you're going to have an African-American character, do not put a basketball under his arm or a skateboard or anything like that. Just don't do it, please. You know, write one as Carlton Banks and see if that sticks. Oh, God. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, it's uh, but uh, a little-known fact was, uh, I don't know if you know this, but X-23 was created for the cartoon but later migrated to the comics proper. And I like this version of X-23 more than the comics version because this X-23 is very different. It, she's uh, She almost looks Israeli, while the one in the comics looks Asian. And it's like, you know, I can almost buy Israeli going from Wolverine's genes versus Asian. Because Wolverine only stayed in Japan. He didn't, like, absorb genes there or something. Maybe he didn't. She just didn't know about it. <laughs> Sorry. Bad pun. But I did like this version of Jean. She was better voiced here because she wasn't all, Oh, Scott! Jean, we don't have much time. There's so much I feel. So much we haven't done. So much I want to say to you. Where I'm concerned, it's the thoughts that count. And yours, like you, are beautiful. Ready? Oh, that scene would make a woman barf. I mean, I mean, I mean, in Blind Alley, in the end, you know, you know, how sweet girlfriend came to save the day, and she's like, "Got that right, lady. Come on." I will <laughs> agree with you that she was better voiced in Evolution. However, I liked the voice actress that did in the '92 series. I liked it when she was Phoenix. Well, Jean wasn't Phoenix in this cartoon, so that's not really, you know. I'm talking about, you said you don't like the voice in the 92 series of Jean Grey. Well, we're not talking about Jean Grey. We're talking about Phoenix. That's a different character. What I'm saying is, Catherine Disher, the voice actress of the 1992 Jean Grey slash Phoenix, she did the two voices of the two characters in the 92 series. And while you're saying you don't like Jean's voice in the 92 series, I'm saying I like the Phoenix voice in the 92 series because it's higher tone. It's not what you're saying, the whiny bitch. Um, <laughs> and uh, I also think that Jean Grey had a much better design in Evolution because that ponytail wasn't God. working. Yeah. That ponytail wasn't working. And uh, I actually, I also liked, uh, I liked a lot of the characters. I mean, the New Mutants. This series got I me mean, liking the New Mutants, these you know all these side mutant characters, these these B characters. I thought they were great. I loved the, uh, you know, I loved the uh, Berserker. I loved Cannonball. Uh, Multiple was awesome. Multiple was lame. Multiple was the was the epitome of puberty and evolution. Oh my god! I mean, you had this scene where Multiple and Boom Boom were able to hold Death Xavier at bay for a few minutes. That was awesome. I guess. And uh, Magneto was magnificent bastard all the way through. Now, see, now, see, I again not knowing a lot about evolution and just having a series watched through for the first time. As far as as I said before, I, I've only seen before I did my series watch through. I'd only seen an episode here or there. I never really paid that much attention to evolution. When I first started hearing Magneto, I was like, I know that voice. I know that voice. And I I looked it up. He was on Stargate SG-1. Yes, he was. <laughs> Christopher Judge. I was like, oh, hell yeah. That's kind of awesome. 
Uh, I don't like how they portrayed him as the deadbeat dad, though. That was a little... Mm. I mean, I know Magneto himself is, you know, the big bad, supposed to be the big bad villain, but I don't like it that they portrayed him as a deadbeat dad. Well, what about, uh, as an example, what do you think of Scarlet Witch overall? I didn't really have an opinion of her. I mean... Wow. No, I mean, it was like... Not really have that much of an opinion over at all. I mean, the character design looks nice. The voice actress was was fine, but I don't know. Well, at least she wasn't Vittens of Destiny Change. Yeah, I guess. Uh, what was the? But, other? I was, was going to bring something else up. What the hell was it? Crap, I don't know. I was going to bring something else. Well, up. the uh, well, it's. Let's see here. They they just did a lot of really creative things. I think. Uh, I mean. How could you not like Magma? She was a great character. Yes, no, I, I, I don't dislike her. I I just, a lot of the characters in this, I just found really meh. Just, like, in between on them. Um, I will say, though, like, after watching, because I, what I would do with, um, with both series, 92 and Evolution, I, I think I watched 92 in the span of five days all the way through. Um, and I watched Evolution in a span of maybe eight days all the way through. I would watch like, you know, five or six episodes per day. Um, by the time they got to Mesmero, who I think needs to meet up with DC's Despero, um, by the time they got to him and at the end of that episode when, when Xavier says, oh, we're dealing with a bigger, more powerful mind here, I immediately knew it was fucking Apocalypse. I mean, that was a dead giveaway. <laughs> well, I, I, you know what? I gotta say one thing. I like the Apocalypse's Egyptian design more than the uh, trying to be more classic comic big blue lip design. I prefer the '92 version of Apocalypse as far as what you just said. As far as the um, the upgraded design, I prefer the '92 version. But yeah, I like the Egyptian style in, in Evolution. And I think it was really cool. And by the way, the uh, the uh, the uh, pharaoh that uh, Apocalypse made run back to the future. That was uh, <laughs> that was that was Kang the Conqueror. Uh, from the comics, so cool. But no, I, I liked I liked a lot of what they did with Apocalypse because I thought that it felt a lot more interesting in depth that you know. He's he is trapped in this he is trapped in this tomb and the most he can do is just influence this one guy to do his work for him. Versus versus you know I do have to hand the ninety two series did have a very good voice for Apocalypse you know I am I am the shores of eternity crash upon me and break. But uh, I I think that this this Apocalypse does work really well because what was just so frightening was. Most of the time, he never spoke. He just sort of raised his hand up and then stuff, and then shit happens. And I think that's what kind of put me off about Apocalypse and Evolution, is that because when we first saw him, I was like, okay, when's he going to speak? I want to hear his voice, because I want to compare it to the 1992 series. Um, And then when he finally did speak, I'm like, oh, hey, it's Beast Machine's Megatron. Yay. Uh, As far as Apocalypse in the 92 series, he was voiced by James Blendick. I know. Well, for those listeners that may not know. Okay. 
I'm just I'm just saying that the one thing I will grant the ninety two series is the their apocalypse had some very epic lines with a very epic voice. Yeah. But overall I I think that the Sentinels were more badass in evolution because number one, they didn't speak, number two, they weren't Tinker Toys. That were they defeated were by Tinker Toys to Magneto. <laughs> well, because they're metal. I mean in... And see that's something that the ninety two series got right because as you just said the ones in evolution even though they came in late in the series they were metal whereas in the 92 series they were metal at first and then they're like oh well this this model is now made completely of plastic so they actually learned something in the 92 series well the the sentinels only appeared twice so they didn't really have time to learn that lesson in the in evolution you don't have an you don't have a sentinel beaten by chasing after a mutant and hitting an awning of a building. <laughs> Which did happen. I know it did. I'm not saying it didn't. You don't have a you don't have a sentinel defeated by falling and announcing it's about to use its booster rockets and then hit the ground and blow up. You yeah. don't and you don't have a you don't have a sentinel Go down to the ground. I right next to one of Gambit's cards is like it appears to be the Ace of Spades. <laughs> <laughs> so let's have Neil give his thoughts because we've kind of been running the gambit here. <laughs> well, my first thought about about what you just brought up was the the whole Ace of Spades thing. I think I think that's kind of like a holdover from the Sunbow. Uh, <laughs> right? It just kind of. You know that kind of that kind of sunbow sense of humor where they would just throw things in there that were just stupid but funny. Uh, Mike mentioned how he wasn't a fan of the comics. Well, I wasn't a fan of the comics either, and I thought that that was the biggest hindrance to me liking the '92 series because I was like, "What the hell is going on? What are all these characters that I don't know? They're just being thrown in my face," you know. The first season was a mess, and I I started into the second season, and I was like, you know what, fuck <laughs> this, I'm done. Whereas I I skipped over Evolution, but when I went to back to start watching it, I was kind of I was kind of uh, surprised because they they took the time to introduce some of the characters, and I found that much more uh, much more palatable. See, I, so I see with me, I just comparing the two series. I like the fact that I got thrown into 92 of not knowing who was like, I knew the names and I knew, you know, kind of briefly what they, you know, who they were, but I like being thrown into it and then getting the, some of the character development as the seasons progress. But anyway, continue. But I felt like I was expected to know like all this level of continuity from the comics that, you know, I just didn't quite frankly, didn't give a shit about (laughs) It just wasn't there for evolution, so evolution was a lot. Again, was a lot more palatable. It was a simplified version that was that was friendly for new fans, whereas the old series wasn't that at all. And, and come on, we're talking going back to the Sentinels. You have this scene where War Magneto, you know, is fighting against the New Mutants, and he takes all these parts of these Sentinels he totally scrapped and make, makes them assemble into a, another Sentinel just to fight the mutants. That was badass. I just don't like. I don't mind the Sentinels being badass and not talking. I just don't like the design of the robots in Evolution because they actually look like robots, not big people. 
Well, and, and the and the okay, and the other thing about the 1992 Sentinels is that what those reminded me of actually was the Manhunters. Well, they, they were both Kirby-esque designs. Of course, they do. Giant robots with purple underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Zing! Let's take a quick break. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, GeekCastRadio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. I will say about Jean in Evolution that I had no idea that she was voiced by the same woman that voiced Princess Lana in Captain N, Venus Terzo. Yes. And they did give a hint of Phoenix at the in the last episode, though, not counting the uh, future, you know, the flash forward. But uh, Right, yeah. But I, I don't know, I just, I, I really liked the overall way stories were told in 92. I mean, there's one story that you admitted to me that you liked better that they did in 92 and in Evolution that you admitted Evolution did better. Which was? The Nightcrawler Mystique thing. You admitted to me. Oh, yeah. No. Nightcrawler in 92 was just fucking creepy. He was Uh, a priest. He was a creepy priest then. (laughs) Oh, Uh, there's there's never been one of those before, Mike. Yeah, there are all sorts of jokes we can make there. I know, exactly. But, um... With a prehensile tail and can, like, come in, you know, in... That's enough. You know, (laughs) I I don't remember all of Nightcrawler's episodes off the top of my head from the 92 series. However, because I just finished Evolution, I will say about Nightcrawler in Evolution, I like the overall character development from beginning to end in Evolution with him. Uh, especially when I, I forget her was it Mary or I, I don't know his his little girlfriend there, you know going back to what prof- both Professor Xavier's have said that the goal is for humans and mutants to coexist. Nightcrawler's girlfriend in Evolution she didn't care that he was a blue fuzzy thing, you know. And I think and, she actually liked it that way. Well, probably so. But anyway, let's not go there. There's a whole other section of jokes for that. Um, but, I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's like, the other thing I liked about Nightcrawler is how, even though I didn't really care for Forge in, in Evolution, but uh, how in the episode where they're like, oh, hey, let's slow down Nightcrawler's teleport and see what kind of dimension he's teleporting through. Because you never saw it. To my knowledge, you never, ever saw that in animation before, especially the 92 series. He's just like, oh, hey, I teleport. I can go from point A to point B. Well, the thing about the Evolution series was they showed point A to point B, which is the dimension that he, he transports through, and then to his final destination. And it's essentially hell. Yeah. Essentially. Well, the thing is, in the comics, they made that really convoluted because it turns out that in the comics, Nightcrawler's father is a mutant that looks like the devil. Again, you can throw all kinds of comic references at me, and they're going to go over my head because I, I know it, it, he, it actually, he actually appears in X Men First Class, so you know who I'm talking about. Uh, I've not seen that movie yet, so okay. But uh, in the, but really in the, I hated Mystique's Mystique in 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 the uh, Fox series because her voice was shrill and whiny, 
and uh, and her design was boring. And then you know her first design in Evolution was boring, but her second one was sexy as all hell. Well, yeah, because they took the white lace out and put in the black fucking leather. That's right. That's right. Now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think she was better voiced as well. I want to hear you uh, argue about that. I honestly, I like them both. I, I don't. I don't have a favorite either way. I don't think that the voicing for Mystique in the '92 series was god awful, um, but it's probably not the best either. And in in Evolution, it was it was fairly decent. Um, didn't really care for the whole character of Principal Darkholm, but uh, I much preferred Risty over over Darkholm as far as the characters that she portrayed throughout the series. And then there was. And then there was, and then there was Principal Kelly. Oh God, that pissed me off. Ninety-two, you have Senator Kelly, who is eventually going to become President Kelly. In here, you have Principal Kelly, who is eventually going to become Mayor Kelly. Really? Oh, yes. God, yes. give me a fucking break. I much prefer Senator to President over Principal to Mayor. Next thing I know, you're going to complain that it doesn't take place in the in New England. It takes place in California. Well, no, it took place in upstate New York, didn't it? Pretty sure it was California, but could be mm. wrong. I don't know. Well, I'm not sure because I could have sworn in the episode that Kitty wanted to take Beast on a field trip when Kitty and the professor are talking in their minds, I could have sworn something about, oh, let's fly him out to the California Redwoods. I didn't know. I wasn't I wasn't sure if if um, Bayville was in California or if it was supposed to be in New York because I could have sworn every time they showed the city that it was supposed to be New York City. They um, showed New York City, but that was a, a separate thing. That was just for, uh, that was for, that was for Angel. Okay. But, uh, but overall, I, I did like how they brought in Angel sparingly because what can he really do other than fly? Yeah. But again, he's missing... I don't dislike Angel in Evolution, but the reason why, as to what you just said of what else can he do besides fly, that's the reason why I like the 92 version a little bit better is because you have him as this horseman who Apocalypse technically corrupted... And then he shoots. He shoots metal feathers. Yes, I know. Yes, yeah, I like it. Well, you're talking about a guy who turned into a goth. <laughs> that that was him in his goth period. I mean, you have to grow up from that, Mike. Well, he did because he went good, and then even though he still had the metal wings, he changed his costume in the '92 series, and I I just prefer the '92 version of Angel all around better. Not saying that the the evolution version is bad. I just prefer the other one a little bit better. Was there any moment that you were like, "Yeah, this is awesome," versus this this pure disdain that was hard to break? <laughs> the the take it raw moment. That's about it. I mean, evolution to me was extremely predictable. Like as soon as the whole apocalypse storyline was revealed. And they started going down that path of oh, there's something sinister here. Oh, there's the only cat. The only hiccup I had was when Mystique was like in in the hospital when they broke when she broke out uh, Scarlet Witch. Uh, she's like, oh, I have other things to do. And then it doesn't show you 
But all of a sudden, much later, we reveal that, hey, this is not Professor X, this is Mystique. But I did catch on because they made one mistake. They showed Juggernaut on the fucking train. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so if Juggernaut's out, then obviously the real Xavier has to be in his prison. But it took me a moment to catch on to that. No, there really isn't a single moment in Evolution that would just make me say this series is awesome. Nope, there just isn't. Wow. Wow. And again, it goes to a generational gap because this series, as you've said, Ben, is all about mutation and being akin to puberty. And, uh, you know, the other series was, oh, hey, we're adults and we have to go this way and do this and that. And the other well, thing. The, thing, the thing is this. There was more emo emoting in 92 than there was in this. <laughs> I mean, you, you have Scott G on their wedding day and you have, and you have, you have Wolverine essentially, you know, doing an elaborate version of cutting by going into the danger room, having having the robots beat him up because he's so pissed off. That, that's that's what's called cutting. That's, yes, that's an emo I, teenager I, thing. I, and you have Wolverine I, I will doing agree it that, that Wolverine, the Wolverine gene Cyclops triangle in the 92 series, that was, on Wolverine's part, that was very emo. Um, but evolution takes the cake with the whole teenage angst thing. And I know it's made for teenagers. I know it's made for... Oh, mutation is puberty and all this and all that. But I just, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, everybody always asked me when I was, like, 15 or 16. I would always hang out with the adults more than I would kids my own age. Same thing with this. I like the adult version of the cartoon better than the teenage version of the cartoon. That's just the way it is. And he means, he doesn't mean adult and teenager in, in the sense that you mean. He means in the age of the main cast, not in uh, what's it, who it's meant for. Yeah. So, but to me, to me, evolution was the right idea because really the wrong way to take a team show is to throw everything at the viewer like a fucking shotgun. And that's how the Fox 92 series treated it. It's like, oh, you story know this. Oh, you story know this. Well, evolution's like, well, you don't know this shit. Here you go. And I, I did like a lot of the re- reimaginings and, uh, I liked a lot of the subtle hints that they did to the fans. I mean, a subtle hint is something that doesn't catch you and at the same time it doesn't derail the story that's what yeah. a subtle hint is like uh, when you had the episode where the uh, the brotherhood teams up with the x-men and they're and they're exploring underneath the sphinx you have this scene where kitty is is hanging out with uh with uh, with with uh, colossus and she says oh don't worry he's actually quite sweet that hints at the fact that in the comics colossus and kitty were an item Oh my God! Now, see, as you said, you like the you like the nods in evolution to that kind of stuff. As someone who has never read the comics that much, I totally miss that. Well, like I said, a nod doesn't derail the story, and that's what a nod is, and that's why I liked it because it doesn't derail the story. It it's not critical to enjoyment of the cartoon. It's just if you happen to know that, that makes you go, oh, okay. It's it, it's extras. I guess. You know, you're talking about uh, X-Men Evolution uh, taking its time versus uh, X-Men 92 shotgunning everything. Uh, I, I thought of another cartoon that uh, took its time and uh, introduced things slowly. Uh, you may have heard of it, Ben. It came out around the same time as X-Men 92. Uh, 
had uh, a director that you might know, Bruce Tim. Can you having trouble remembering the name? Do you, can you help me out here? <laughs> it was I, it was about a billionaire avenging his parents' death symbolically every night. Okay, we cannot compare a Marvel team up show to Batman the animated series simply because they came out in the same year. No, 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 no. I'm comparing it. I'm comparing shows. it in terms of uh, in terms of pacing. I'm com- I'm comparing the pacing here because. Uh, I think I think taking your time on a show is much more important than just okay. Here's all the lore from the comics. Blah, 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 and here, and <laughs> well, well, the big thing is you have to remember is someone from Tim's team worked on evolution. Boyd Kirkland, yeah, yeah. May he rest in peace. Um, but the thing with '92 and just having all the stuff thrown at you, I didn't really. At first, growing up watching it, I didn't see it that way because I'd hung out with people that knew about the comics. And back then, they, you know, did X Men trading when they still did actual, you know, television trading card stuff. They did that wasn't Pokemon, I should say. That's um, what sunk Marvel in the 90s. That's what made them declare bankruptcy. They tried to do all this collectible shit and it didn't yeah, work. Yeah. So, um, you know, so like I knew who Cyclops was. I didn't know all his backstory, but I knew from Gene, even Gene, without reading the comics, you had crib notes, you know, right there. Yeah. Whereas someone like me well, who see, had me, none of that, it was it was infuriating to watch. And and then Cyclops got uh, got castrated oh, by uh, Carter. Was fine. <laughs> no, that's me. You know, you have a Cyclops that is literally castrated versus a Cyclops with massive, massive balls. I've got big balls. Oh, God. One of the reasons why I don't like Apocalypse in Evolution using Xavier as one of the four horsemen is because... It's unexpected and different and totally throws you? No. (laughs) It's the only time we ever see the fucker walk. And one of the things I liked about the ninety-two one of the things I liked about the ninety-two series was when they were in the Savage Land, because of the way the Savage Land is, takes away the powers or alters them or whatever. You actually saw him walk for more than five minutes. To me, though, the idea is he did more than fucking walk. I mean, he he created well, psychic. Okay. No, psychic I'm not I'm not saying he didn't do more. I'm saying comparing the two series, I like. In 92, seeing the professor actually being able to use his body again and actually do things for himself, whereas in Evolution, he was able to walk and float and move around and do all this powerful shit for an episode and a half. That's what I'm saying. That's why I like the 92 version of him being out of the chair better. Well, to me, the uh, whole idea is you take him out of a chair. It's a gimmick episode anyways. But uh, my my thing is, you know, the whole shit's just gotten real moment was when they sh- revealed the four horsemen. And it's not like these, these, these scrub mutants that got enhanced to where, okay, now they can probably challenge the X-Men because they've been enhanced to the point where they can challenge him. It's you get the most powerful mutants in the world and they enhance them to where, holy shit, we got to like throw everything we got at them. And I agree, that's fine. I, I, I don't... What I have a problem is, is that it, it's not about the fact that those four are the most powerful. It, it's the fact that they're using the people that love 
you know, Magneto and Mystique, the bro- the, technically they should love the Brotherhood people, and then Storm and, and Xavier against their X-Men. That's the problem I have. I don't have a problem with using the four most powerful mutants. Just make them other mutants that have nothing to do with those characters. It's called tension. But the idea is, if, if at the same time you're using the people that have the connection with, the people are fighting them. That's what makes it so powerful and poignant. <sighs> yeah, whatever. I still didn't feel at the end of watching every all 52 episodes, I still didn't, you know, just I didn't sit back and say, wow, that was I did not do this. I did not sit back and say, wow, that was an amazing series. I just felt, OK, that was cool. What's next? Oh, um, God. But but at the same time, I don't have this. I don't have the same feelings on 92. I like. 92, I get it as its problems. I just like the storytelling better in that series. And it, it goes more to nostalgia for me that if I want to watch an X-Men cartoon, I'll probably watch 1992's version more so than Evolution. I just don't, I just don't agree. I can, watch, I can watch nearly every every episode of Evolution again and enjoy it. I mean, I enjoyed a lot of the characters. Every character I can think of, I had an episode I enjoyed with a minute. I mean, just uh, Forge I thought was a fun character because here's this mutant that's a genius that was stuck from the 70s. That, that was funny. That was fun. It's uh, And I, I enjoyed the episode Cajun Spice. I thought it was a, that was a very fun episode. You know, it sort of broke the mood after uh, what they did earlier. I thought that that was a great mood breaker. I mean, and overall I thought the designs were a lot more appealing. I mean... The women were wow in this series. While before, it's like you might have one or two frames of wow in like thirty minutes of animation. And really, it's uh, you know, what episode did you did you so did you so which episode did you like the most, Mike? It probably have to be Beast's origin story. Okay, um, I did like uh, the one where they basically over-empowered girl power just because of the black leather, but that whole story, that whole episode uh, on the wild side, it's like you're going to take girl power to the nth degree and just overthrow it in people's faces. That's that's a little much. But, um, but yeah, it would have, like, one of my favorite episodes, it would probably have to be Beast Origin, and the series finale, I did like it, even though I have, you know, a little bit of nitpick with, with cave voicing apocalypse um because i think it's just beast machines megatron uh but um yeah i'd probably have to say those two overall as far as the 92 series i like both phoenix sagas i like the beyond good actually i never knew this because i actually stopped watching 92 back in 19 back at the fourth season i thought the end of the series was Shit. the beyond good and evil four-parter i never knew there was a fifth season until like a year or so after after that like 1998 1999 i never knew there were 23 or however many additional episodes season five had yeah that one was that one was uh not very good that was the uh that was the one that was animated by the people who did the last season of captain planet that was uh yeah, that's that's that's, <laughs> that's where I say ninety two kind of drops off for me. The only good part about season five 
is graduation day. I absolutely hate that they like I commented to you off air, Ben, about oh my god, finally when we got to season three of Evolution, oh my god, finally new title sequence. Whereas ninety two, I was like, wait, why is there a new title sequence? Why does it look like shit? And why does the theme song sound like shit? Um, so yeah, I I will say the for me the the greatness or the goodness of the ninety two series, in my opinion, cuts off at the end of season four. Okay, so so did you feel that that evolution took some time to pick up for you at least because I I like I love the a hell of a lot of time for it to pick up for me. About what, at what point would you if you were watching it as it was being uh, released? Uh, about when would you lose patience with it? As soon as I figured out, oh hey, apocalypse, yay! Because that to me, when I when I watched it back, um, I immediately said oh that was predictable and i i almost stopped watching my watch through just because i was like oh hey as soon as i heard xavier say that line um you know most you know a mind more powerful than i've ever experienced i mean i immediately knew before they even said it in the show apocalypse uh the serious like screw you to the series moment happened at the end of season three with with, uh with cruise control because that was just fucking stupid uh, at that point, if I was watching it as it aired, as soon as I saw Cruise Control, I would have said, fuck this series and not ever watched it again. Mm. Cruise Control was not a bad episode, okay? Cruise Control, in the continuity of the story of the show, was fucking dumb. The episode itself may have been fine as far as the characters and all that, but just where it lies in the continuity of the story that they were telling, it sucks. Okay, but but you said it took a while to pick up. Were you losing patience before it picked up? I lost patience at, like, episode 12 of season one. Wow. <laughs> but I didn't give up on it, though. I still watched it, and that's what I was saying earlier. By the time, like, by the time I started watching season three, I could watch five or six episodes per day. When I started out watching season one and season two, I was watching maybe two episodes per day because I just couldn't take it. Couldn't take what exactly? I mean, season one had the had the uh, episode with the relationship between uh, Nightcrawler and uh, Mystique, and that was one of the strongest episodes in the first two seasons. Right, exactly. But they throw in all this emo-ness with Scott, Gene, and, and Duncan. Yeah, and instead of Scott, Gene, and Wolverine, you have Scott, Gene, and this jerk, jock, Duncan. Well, um, Wolverine's like how many years older than her? No, I know. I, no, I'm saying... You want to be a pedophile? On, Is that what you're up, saying? Hold on, shut up, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, shut up. Shut the fuck up, damn it. What I'm saying is, instead of in the 92 series where they had Wolverine, Scott, and Gene, in Evolution you have... Scott, Gene, and Duncan. Duncan essentially is the replacement for Wolverine because Gene is supposedly dating him or going out with him. She finally wakes the fuck up and gets the blonde out of her hair and says, oh, screw you, Duncan. I'm done with you. And she finally gets with Scott. But that takes two and a half seasons to get to that. It's like, holy fuck. Why don't you just grow some balls, Cyclops? burn the guy's hand off and just go be with the woman that you fucking love. They even said it when, when, when they finally got together, Wolverine said it about, about time. And then storm said, yes, I agree. It's like, 
Jesus Christ, why do you need all this teenage emo-ness? And that's one of the reasons why I this series took a lot for me to pick up because they're not doing the the missions. They're not they're doing the learning thing because this is for teenagers. This is for those kids that were born in like 1991 growing up and they're like 10 years old in 2000. Oh, hey, X-Men, yay. Actually, I disagree with you. I think this appeals to a lot of older audience pe- goers too, people who aren't so blinded by nostalgia that can approach the series and see it as what it is, a new approach to the properties that isn't so tied to what was there before. Yeah, the teen the teenness never really it was never really an obstacle for me. It, it wasn't like Final Fantasy VIII where like you have this complete emo dick who's just like, <laughs> oh whatever, Renoa, I guess I care about her. No, these these characters were at least human. you know somewhat human for uh, enough for an older audience to appreciate. <laughs> and I need to. It's not just nostalgia driving me here. I've admitted throughout this last hour that we've talked or so that there are issues with the Fox series. However, overall, on a whole, I can watch those stories the, that those characters more than these characters. If you gave me like a 10 episode best of DVD of X-Men Evolution and picked out all the great Nightcrawler stuff, all the apocalypse stuff and let me watch that, sure fine. Just take out all the crap with uh, the teenager stuff. But the but I've with broken the, Ben's with brain. the teenager thing, it's it doesn't really matter that much. I mean, oh, it did it to me. Well, then you have weird priorities as a viewer. Damn right. To I'm me, a Transformers fan. What do you expect? Well, in Transformers and Beast Wars, they made transmetallism uh, an analog to puberty. That was that fucking sucked. No, I love Cheetor's evolution because Cheetor is Beast Wars' answer to Rodimus. Uh, I don't know which that insults more. Oh God, I don't know. I think we need to like ask a panel of you know calling no, Cheetor they, okay, Beast Wars. Okay, but they had a better they had a better way of going because the way I see Cheetor, and this is totally off topic. <laughs> We should oh, so cut cool, this hey? out of the out of the show deal, but the way that I see Cheetor is he grew up as the show progressed, whereas Rodimus, Hot Rod, the teenager of G one, is just thrown in, here kid, take the matrix, do with it what you will, and oh yeah, now we're gonna fucking take it away from you. Whereas Cheetor actually aged throughout Beast Wars and Beast Machines. So that's why I said Cheetor is technically the Rodimus of Beast Wars and Beast Machines, but they actually did it right because they had him progress in character development. So anyway, back to X-Men. Really, I I think that the strength of the... Stop under your breath, Neil. I heard that. I think the strength of the series... (laughs) I think the strength was they picked a really good core cast, and they picked the mixture of the original team and the characters that were popular. They just just reimagined them to fit in this new setting, and I especially liked what they did with Rogue, especially how, you know, as an absorber, she was... She had to think very differently in this series on the battlefield versus how the, how Rogue of the old series worked, where she basically was a flying brick, and oh, by the way, she can absorb too. Yeah. And I think that that, was, that required a lot more creativity from the writers and creativity from the characters, and I think it worked to, the, to their benefit. And I'm not disagreeing with that for evolution, but... You know, again, you have two different character portrayals 
of Rogue. You have the 92 series where she, as you so succinctly put it, she was a flying brick, but she, you also had Rogue's initial backstory. Again, if the backst- I don't think the backstory is different in the comics, but you have the initial backstory in both, but in the, in the early 90s, it was all about sexing it up. And, and that's and that's really what Rogue and Storm were there for. And what I liked again was uh, how in this series, you know, having Mystique as Rogue's mother, Rogue rejected that right away. Versus how in the in the the Fox series, she still clung on to that. And I think that that was very bold that this Rogue was was more about you know I'm not going to respect her as a mother because she never treated herself as a mother. While you know, you have Nightcrawler clinging on to that for the longest time, and I thought that made the dynamic between them two as siblings a lot more interesting in this series versus the Fox series. And I think I broke Mike. No, you didn't. Um, no, I, I can agree because... I, I can agree with what you said there because, as we've stated, these are obviously two completely different series and two completely different ways of approaching the X-Men and Brotherhood and all those Marvel character teams. And one, and one thing I definitely liked was the fact that, oh, thank God, there was no Friends of Humanity this time. You still had Trask, though. Yes, but there were no Friends of Humanity. You didn't, ha- you didn't have to have a, a bad KKK analog in a children's cartoon to show hate crimes were bad. I mean, you, you did bad enough with Duncan. I think you, you didn't need the fucking Friends of Humanity again. I mean, just like you know, cartoons back then, cartoons back in the early '90s had to have uh, had to have analogs to the KKK because that was just what they did. I mean, Gargoyles had the Quarry Men, and that sucked too. Yes, excuse the honking horn outside. Um, you know, I'm just looking at, and I'll, I'll look at the the Evolution series in a second. I'm just looking at the list of series writing credits for 90, 1992. You have Stephen Melching, Marty Eisenberg, Robert N. Skier, Len Wein, um, just people that I recognize. And they are all really excellent writers. Um, uh, Robert Skier, Bob Skier wrote five episodes between 93 and 94. So, I mean, again, they're two different writing styles. They're two different types of, of cartoon series. I like them both for different things, but in the end, for enjoyment, 92 wins out. I disagree. I I just think that really, you know, aside from the fact I always hear people saying, oh, the, 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 the thing was the writers learned early on because season one, they did they did scale a lot of things back after season one. They scaled Spike back after season one. They scaled the time at the school back in, after season one. Because they listen to your comments with the with the ninety two series, they didn't listen to comments. They basically they basically uh, took elements from comic stories that were already told and told them again. Okay, well, up until say maybe season four or not season up until maybe season three, season two, season three, really nineteen ninety two. You had no way of getting comments back then because unless you're going to mail them they, to the producers, because there was no internet yet. They could get comments. It's a, uh, they always got comments. They just didn't listen to them. It's uh, this is this is when this was after AVA Rad bought you know, you know spent all that money on Marvel after the, after all those trading cards your friends played with, ruined the company. 
Uh, and just just so people know, um, for X Men Evolution, you have Greg Johnson, uh, Bob Forward, who's an awesome writer. I mean, what did he write again? What other show did you like that he wrote again, Mike? Beast Wars. Oh, okay. I'm not saying that Bob Forward isn't a bad it isn't a bad writer. I'm just saying the overall tone for me of Evolution just doesn't just doesn't catch me. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to list these these four because they're listed on both series as as credits, but they listed as unknown episodes. Obviously, Stanley, Jack Kirby, Chris Claremont, and John Byrne. Um, they they did they did nothing other than create the characters. Yeah, I mean, well, at least it, you, actually actually correction, Stanley didn't create anything. Great. Alrighty then. Next thing you know on Animation Aficionados, we're going to have a Spider-Man the Animated Series versus Spectacular Spider-Man episode. Oh, God. Yes, we are, actually. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm tapping out to, in submission already. <laughs> well, that's because I showed Neil the episode of Spectacular Spider-Man where Spider-Man defeated Venom with the power of friendship. 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 Friendship, friendship is magic. Oh, wait, that's a completely different universe. No, it was the most ridiculous thing. He used the he used the power of sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows versus like a sonic gun or something. I'm like, and no I would, ponies. I would prefer I would prefer if he like you know rigged an iPod underneath his costume with all these speakers, and when the when the Venom symbiote tried to take his body again, he just pressed play, and then like you have like you have like uh, Ozzy Osbourne blaring on the speakers, and that knocked out Venom or something versus. Yeah, the Venom symbiote takes his body again, and all of a sudden, the power of friendship was so strong in Peter Parker that the Venom symbiote cringed in horror. I'm not, I'm not fucking with you. This really happened. I know. I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of episodes of Spectacular Spider-Man. I know. Okay, are you gonna tell me how how wrong I am for hating that? No, because I, again, because it's what I grew up with. I prefer the '94 series. <laughs> And by the way, Marvel, you still haven't gotten the CGI in cartoons right. Please stop. Please, please, please um, stop. Neil, any you have anything else you want to bring up about either the ninety two series? I I think this has pretty much been a, a Mike and Ben show and Neil is just kinda like, uh oh, fuck you guys. No, actually Neil's been very talkative this time. He's bringing in what his new perspective is on both cartoons, and that's very important because we have to remember a lot of people that watch these cartoons are new perspectives. Uh I I got one more comment on something I was said earlier in the show about uh Mike said he doesn't really pay attention to uh the animation studios that the shows are produced at. Uh when when the X-Men 92 series came out, I wasn't really paying attention to that either, but I could still tell that it was a step down. I, I came off of uh, G.I. Joe and Transformers in the 80s, and about when 86 hit is when they started, when they changed studios, and I could tell, and I could tell it was the same studio that they were using then for the new, for the new X-Men series, and I was like, oh god, not this again. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I, I couldn't take it. Yeah, I, I just I just really think that it's unfair when people say that. Oh, it takes a while to pick up because it's not like it's not like Enterprise where you have three seasons of shit. There's not three seasons of shit. I mean, season one has some very powerful episodes of Evolution. Season two was a lot better, and season three and four were awesome. 
And overall, all of them are competently written. I mean, there was no, this appears to be the Ace of Spades. <laughs> like I said, I think someone from Sunbow snuck in and put that in the script. God damn it. Because that's moderately funny. I think Flint <laughs> Dilly might have snuck that in. Oh, uh, hi, guys. Uh, I'm going to write something in your script here. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the problem is it makes, it makes the Sentinels look dumb as shit. In their purple underwear. <laughs> we are giant robots that are shaped no way in no way like robots that wear purple underwear. <laughs> Versus that badass death machine that doesn't talk that looks like a robot. Yeah. You know what actually it actually ties into a previous episode of Animation Aficionados. You know what the X Men uh, Sentinel in Evolution reminds me of? What? A more polished version of the Iron Giant. Oh, fuck you. No, no, I'm not saying it as a bad thing. I'm saying when I first saw the Sentinel, it reminds me of a shinier version of the Iron Giant robot. I'm not saying it as a bad thing, Neil. Mm. I'm just saying that's like with the whole guns and all that thing on the Sentinel, that's what it reminded me of. Like, oh, hey, here's... here's. Well, how it's threatening and how it has more weapons than just two things on the palms. Yeah. I'm not saying it as a bad thing, Neil. I need to let you know. I'm not saying it as as a critique against it. I'm just saying that was the first thing it reminded me of. Just like um, the first when I first heard Wolverine's voice, uh, first thing it reminded me of was was Beast Wars because I knew it was Scott McNeil kind of doing Dinobot and Silverbolt mixed into one. Um, you know, just I mean that's the same thing. It's it's not a it's not a it's not a mark against Wolverine and evolution. It could have been worse, too. It could have been uh, him doing Rat Trap, which is like Scott McNeil doing Archie Bunker. Well, I, jeez. <laughs> Would well, you stifle it, Cheetor? Well, to me, I heard a lot of Piccolo in, in, in that Wolverine. Yeah. Um, I, I do have to say, out of all... Just take. I know we're not talking about Wolverine and the X Men, but just out of '92, Evolution and Wolverine and the X Men, my two favorites are. Well, I, I would rank them in this order. For me, uh, Cal Dodd of '92, Stephen Bloom from Wolverine and the X Men, and then Scott McNeil uh, in this. Just because Steve Bloom's Wolverine is just awesome. I really do think that uh, you know a biggest thing to remember is. The uh, the uh, X Men Evolution did come out around the time that the movies were the you know the original uh, movies were getting popular the uh, the X Men movies so the big thing was at the end of season two at the beginning of season three yes so they they switched the Wolverine costume from the classic costume which I thought they did a great rendition of by the way to I didn't like the orange I would have preferred per- preferred if it was like navy blue and yellow where he's like bright and you know we can see him like shining like a beacon no 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 it's like it's like believe it take take the orange on the original wolverine costume in evolution and turn it into like a burnt mustard yellow so it's not bright but believe it i see what you're saying they changed from the classic wolverine type costume to the the movie version, and I actually prefer the movie version costume in Evolution. 
Okay, I'm just saying. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm thinking that that was some of the things that were happening there. We had to make some changes because Marvel is stupid that way, saying, "Oh, we have to change certain things to fit the movies." I'm like, "Why? Well, this is in the movie continuity. We have to fix change it anyways because we're stupid." <clears throat> and you know what? I actually did like seeing the white Nick Fury one more time before they decided to go all black because once you go black, you don't go back. Never go back. Yeah. Yeah. So, would you say that there was a point? There was a point in those first two seasons that you wanted to stop. Wait, I already answered that. Um, crap! What episode was it? Um, damn it! Now I'm gonna have to look it up. Come back to me because I don't have to look it up. Okay, it's, it's probably the episode where Starscream got. Oh wait, I'm thinking of a different show. <laughs> Fuck you, TV boy. <laughs> Why do you have to say that, Mike? <laughs> I mean, it's just really unfair. Where did you go, Mike? I, I think he's still... Hang on, I was looking up the episode. Yeah, he was searching. Um... Processing. Yes, shut up. Uh... <laughs> Out of the first two seasons, really, like, like, there's nitpicks, as I've said, but it didn't really come until episode 13 of the third season, Cruise Control, where I was just like, fuck this series, I'm done. All right. Um, Every time you keep bringing that up, I think of, I think of, oh, is this is this the episode where Willem Dafoe is the? Oh wait, I'm thinking of something else. <laughs> um, um, because the thing of it is, is if you take season two with Dark Horizons going into season f- or not season two, season three, excuse me, take season three and just have it end at Dark Horizons, and then it and season four you come back with Impact, the Cruise Control episode. To me, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like almost like Justice League Unlimited, where you have wild cards, and then you have comfort and joy, and then you have star-crossed. It's like it do- it doesn't really matter in the DCAU as far as wa- going from wild cards to comfort and joy, which is a you know a fun episode, kind of like what Cruise Control is supposed to be, and then you jump right into that big epic of star-crossed. But here. Ending a season on an episode that basically has nothing to do... The, the only episode, the only purpose that this episode served was two things. It gave Amara a little bit more control and understanding of her powers. And you actually had people liking the X-Men as heroes. Those are the only two serv- uh, uh, purposes that Cruise Control served. If you're coming off of a, off of a really epic storyline like Dark Horizon, or, Yeah, Dark Horizons... And then you go to cruise control as a season finale. Fuck you. I mean, this is almost like, you know, when Smallville would do really, really great season finales. And then next year they'd come back with the shittiest season premieres ever. Yeah. So cruise control was pretty much my fuck you, but I did stay with the series and I did watch it all the way through. Um, So yeah, there you go. Okay. Well, don't you think that's a little unfair? I mean, I no. Mean, this isn't the 1980s. This isn't G1 where you have a story here, a story there, a story here. Oh, hey, here's some continuity. A story here, a story. 
evolution was supposed to be one giant continuity thing. And then you go from Dark Horizons to Cruise Control to Impact, which is the season premiere of the next season. Cruise Control should not be there. The season three should end on Dark Horizons. Period. End of story. Did it actually air like that, though? No, it didn't. Huh. That, that's why. That's what I was trying to tell you that they put it. They yeah. put it on the disc in the production order, not in the fucking, not in the fucking airing order, Mike. So, well, the per, okay. Well, I'm going off of what Netflix has. So, okay. so, 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 like I said, Netflix it's a, has it as Netflix Instant <laughs> has season three of X Men Evolution listed, Dark Horizons Part One and Part Two, and then Cruise Control. And that's then, the production order, not the airing order. Okay, so where did Cruise Control air Before then? Before those two. Okay, well, that would make more sense. That would make a hell of a lot more that's sense. That's how it aired. And that's fine. But Lots I'm of these saying, studios don't care about the orders they put the episodes on this. You're lucky to get all the episodes on the disc. That's true. So come on. But I'm Okay, but I'm saying, Ben... As someone who watched the series all the way through, in whatever order, it doesn't, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, in whatever order, I went by what I thought was the correct order because no one told me different that cruise control, in fact, happened before Dark Horizons, I just went in the order that Netflix has it listed as, and going by that, thinking that, oh, hey, Dark Horizons is the two-part finale, but, oh, wait, here's this other episode that they got out of the order wrong, or they just did it in production order. Going in that way, it, it doesn't make any sense, and that's why I got pissed about it. Was but now because... that you know that that's not how it aired, can you back off some of your fucking steam? A little bit, but just having watched it the way that the production order was, no. Forget that! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Assume that you had watched it as it was airing. It would have been it would have been much better. Okay, that's what we were trying to get at. I mean, this happens all the time with cartoons. You get the you get the whole Justice League Unlimited box set, and they said watch Justice League Unlimited before you watch Justice League. They have that that out of order too. Um, okay, well, that act that only happened with a few of the DVD cases. That didn't happen with all of them. It did happen with mine, but see, I had already known. Because I had had the seasons beforehand, I already knew which order those went in. I mean, that I can... this is something that happens all the time, and you're you're faulting this one series for it so horribly. You you're, you're telling <laughs> you're almost telling the burn in hell, and then you like, and then you're told it's a production error, error something that happens all the time in animated DVDs, and you're like, oh, oh, oh okay, I guess, but it still pisses me off because that's how I watch it. Come, come on, Mike, don't you see how bad that makes you sound? Not really, because I didn't know any better at the fucking time. Uh, I, I, think we, I was just I think going we got through out. and doing a marathon of a television series. I didn't know, I didn't look at any of the information about evolution beforehand. I was like, oh, hey, it's on Netflix. I remembered that Neil and Ben wanted me to do the X-Men comparison thing. So I'm going to go ahead and watch 92. 92 was fine. 92 I liked because I liked it when I was a kid. Okay, I'm going to start with Evolution. Here we go. Season 1. Okay, there are a few things kind of pissed me off. Not really that much. Not that big of a deal. Season 2, okay, it's getting better. It's getting better. Season 3, okay, it's getting really, really good. Really, really good. 
holy fuck, why would you stop on a really epic line and then go to a fucking thing? You know, you know what I mean? I watched it in the order that it was presented to me in the thing. No one told me beforehand if you had said, Ben, at some point before we did this episode that, oh, hey, you need to watch Cruise Control before you watch the two-part finale... Because I didn't, because I didn't watch it on Netflix. Because I watched it on YouTube, and I think Marvel's YouTube channel has it in the right order. I don't know. <laughs> do I have to? Do I, I have think... to like cut your beat for you too now? Uh, Fuck you. I think we're okay. Well, um... <laughs> wow. Um... <laughs> I mean, I told you earlier that the production order, that's what it was in, and you just kept on going on. You wouldn't be doing it a worded edgewise, Mike. No, you just said that the production order was what it was listed in, but you didn't tell me that before we started recording the episode. You didn't say, because that's the other thing. I'm trying to sit here and get through all these episodes, and, like, I'm in the middle of, I, I, I don't know, Spike Cam and... Ben's like, on Skype, hey, where are you at? What episode yet? What do you like about Storm? Ben and I spent, like, three or four nights ago, an hour and a half, two hours, talking about stuff that we were going to eventually talk about here, asking me about characters about Storm. That time, not that I don't want to talk to you, Ben, but that time I could have gotten through a lot more episodes. Well, I'm sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. I just was curious on how you were enjoying it, but it turns out that you were looking looking for things to pick on. Well, yeah, that's the point of reviewing stuff, right, Neil? Mister, I am the ultimate Transformers fan. That's not. right. Don't you forget it. <laughs> right. No, no it's not things to pick on. It's putting it into perspective. Right. Because well, I, is all my things. perspective was skewed because of whatever order it was in. Mike, you're not supposed to do that if you're reviewing a TV show. In the perspective of an American audience, Headmasters is about watching Daniel Hump Spike in the end credits. Oh. Uh. The only good thing about Headmasters is the fact that they had Blaster and Soundwave fight. That's it. This one and then, ends with Rebirth, damn it. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I just think that it's unfair uh, of you or anyone to not give the whole series a chance because I've had lots of people who quit on the first season. And I think that's... Uh, hold on here. Wait a second. I'm not saying you, Mike. I'm not saying you, Mike. I just said I did a complete watch. I said not you, Mike. Didn't hey, I-, I was going to say, because, you know, you guys have asked me, were there moments where I wanted to just quit? And I said, yes, there were, but I was still giving it a chance. Because, again, I, I as I've said, I had only seen maybe one or two episodes of this series as it aired. I wasn't really paying attention back then. So and there were I- moments in season one where you wanted to quit? Probably when they introduced Spike, because I just, I like the whole, um, I like the whole, oh, this is Storm's nephew that lives in Africa a bit, whereas they did this in, in, in Evolution, where, oh, hey, this is Storm Storm's nephew that lives two cities over with his mom, but he's coming to the Institute, blah, blah, blah. I will say them blow, uh, Mystique blowing up the Institute, that was pretty badass. That was kind of cool. Good, so you're not going to compare it to Power Rangers again? Oh, yes, I am. Oh, oh. hell yeah. But you know, the, you know the Institute blew up in the 92 series. Hmm. Yes, I know that. And you know the Institute like gets destroyed every year in the comics? I mean, the Institute getting blown up is an X-Men trope. Oh, it's not a Power Rangers trope. Blown up. 
every year in in Power Rangers. You know, well, every year that they had a command center. Well, but the thing is, there were X-Men comics like 20 years before there was Power Rangers, dude. And that's fine, but I'm just telling you... You know, indisputable fact that the X-Men's home gets blown up every year in the comics, 20 years before Power Rangers was even on the air as Sentai whatever the fuck, and you're like, well, that's fine, but I'm going to still call compare the Power Rangers anyway. Okay, but you have to understand, though. You said the the mansion gets blown up, you know, in the previous twenty years of comics. Well, I I have maybe read two X Men comics my entire life. Okay, so coming from someone who had never seen Evolution and who had watched all a whole bunch of uh, seasons of Power Rangers, when I first saw the Institute explode, Mystique set the code and all that stuff. When I first saw that, the first thing I thought of. Oh hey, we're Goldar and Rito, and we're gonna set the explosive. Boom! The command center is no more. You know that's what? That's, that's more of a of. that's more of a Buzz Dixon thing than a Power Rangers thing. First of all, that's fine. I'm not arguing that point. I'm just telling you from my perspective and what I've watched. The first thing I thought of when I saw the goddamn mansion blow up was seeing the command center blow up in Power Rangers. You know what, Mike? You know what this, that's the you know first thing I thought of. Mike, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like someone who watched, like, uh, Transmorphers from the Asylum and then watches G1 Transformers. Says, hey, this reminds me a lot of Transmorphers. You mean Animorphs? No, Transmorphers. The it's movie. a really cheesy, like, D-grade movie that was... Basically, it's, trying to cash in on Transformers. It's called a Mockbuster. Oh, you mean GoBots? Okay, yeah. No, no, no. Worse than GoBots. No, oh, it, if you can believe there, that. Wait, there's something worse than GoBots? Wow. No, 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 no. Yeah, Beast Wars. <laughs> Shut up, Neil. But uh, no, Transmorphers was a direct-to-DVD movie from uh, from a studio called Asylum. All Asylum does is look at the mo- big t- summer movies and makes a direct de- direct-to-DVD. Uh, DVD uh, analog and release it on DVD the same week. Like uh, when Transformers was coming out, they came out with Transmorphers for Transformers, and Transmorphers were about the giant robots that enslaved mankind and stuff happens. With uh, I remember when Piranha 3D came out, they actually came out with something called Giant Piranha. It, Piranha 3D is already a B movie, so that's how I was like, we're gonna out be the B movie. <laughs> okay. But anyway, what I meant what I meant was just from my own perspective and from what I had seen before evolution, that was the first thing that popped into my head was, oh hey, the mansion blowing up in this series is kind of like the command center blowing up in Power Rangers. That's just there's no deep thought here. It's just like a thought pops into your head and you just have to say it. That's that's it. I'm not reading anything into it. I don't care if the X-Men comics did it 20 times before the Power Rangers were even invented. I'm just saying from my TV watching over the years, that was just the first thing that popped into my head. It's not like I hate the fact that she blew up the mansion. I thought it was a really cool thing. So. Okay. Have we derailed? <laughs> we have. Of course, that's that's no surprise on this show. Yes. <laughs> well, that's where the gold is, though. Right. Digressions. I mean, as our earlier guests found out, that was where the gold is. Yes. And uh, we, so uh, we got at least three episodes in the shoot now, Neil. Yeah, we do. 
Yeah, so I mean, overall, Evolution is not, a, in my opinion, it's not a bad series. I don't outright hate it, but at the same time, as I said before, uh, it's not something when I think of X Men cartoons, it's not the first thing that I will watch. The first thing I will watch is the '92 series. Um, but I could, I, I, I could watch this again a few years from now at some point, maybe. Maybe, maybe when you're old enough, you'll understand. I'm older than you, you jackass. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about age difference here. I grew up in the 80s, motherfucker. So, <laughs> so, you grew up in the 90s. I grew up in the 80s. I was born in 83, damn it. Oh, well, you're three years too late. I mean, uh, I mean, open, damn it. Open. <laughs> Shit, what do we do now? Shit, what are we going to do now? That's right. I mean, I saw those children's movies that had swearing in it just to be edgy for children. And I I saw Duke get impaled in the chest with a cobra. You know what the funniest thing about the timing of this episode is I wish I had a a chance to conduct a different type of interview, but... uh, uh, you know, insert plug here. We're doing our Transformers animated podcast over at Geekcast Radio Network, uh, Transformation Animation Podcast, and I just talked to David Kay for the second time uh, a couple weeks uh, last week or so, and we were specifically talking about uh, Transformers animated, obviously. But when we get to, because we'll get to Evolution in Tooncast Beyond eventually uh, in the superhero season, so. I'm going to have to come back to the series eventually. So I may get another interview with Kay and, and ask him about his Professor X, uh, I almost called him Cyclops, Professor X Apocalypse uh, voices. Um, I think his Professor X was not like any other voice he did because it had a slight British twinge to it that none of his previous voices really had. A little bit, uh, but... I, I, say, I, I didn't. I didn't picture Megatron with it. I, I, I heard something slightly British. I, 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 it sounded like he was aping slightly off of Patrick Stewart. Yeah, yeah a, a little bit as the show progressed. But I will say that, like the first four or five episodes in season one, I, I specifically heard Beast Wars Megatron. Um, but I, I don't count that against Evolution at all. I, I don't mind it. I, I think it's great that he was able to do that. Um, and I don't mind uh, Apocalypse sounding similar to Beast, the, the darker Beast Machines Megatron. I don't mind it at all. It's just like, oh, hey, that, you know, again, it goes back to the Power Rangers thing. You know, Apocalypse, David K. voicing Apocalypse. Oh, hey, it's Beast Machines. It's just a thought that popped into my head. Oh, hey, yeah, that, that's, that's what he voiced earlier. Um, and it's not a mark against evolution uh, at all. Because uh, I, I did enjoy that, but it's still sort of the same voice. <laughs> not really, and it's not really as close as say, uh, you know, Seth MacFarlane talks to himself all the fucking time, and you can really tell nowadays. Well, that's the doctor and uh, it's because he's and, nuts. Uh, Lois's father. And... Yeah, they actually see they made a joke about that in the in the extras, and they decided it was such a great joke in the commentary to do it in the show later on. Yeah. yeah, you can reference McFarlane all you want. I still like you guys. You guys are the, probably the only people that I've ever talked to that have the same opinion of me as Family Guy is ass. Well, all of his shows are ass. It, it, it has to do with the fact that he he he's under this false impression that he is funny. 
All right, so. But the wrapping up on. Have you guys seen the X Men anime trailers? Yeah, I don't like no, it, sir. I don't. Like okay, it. neither do I. I. I think it's trying. I think it's trying too hard. It's too much of a. It's too much of the edgy late '90s anime style. They should really go back to the Toei style, like the anime X Men openings that they never used. In the They're never going to do that. Japan has long forgotten that '80s, that wonderful '80s anime style. I mean, that was the one thing that pissed Neil off about the '92 series. Watching those two anime openings for X Men, Neil actually. <laughs> Let out a massive goddamn it. Yeah, I was like, this is what it could have been! <laughs> <laughs> if they could have afforded the Toei! Yeah, we were talking about uh, the sexy girls earlier. Uh, I was gonna say that if you wanted to see sexy girls in the, in the 92 style, watch those anime openings, because they are hot. <laughs> especially, especially Rogue, winking at the camera. Yeah, yeah. that always gets me. But I, I think the, I don't want to know. I, I think the I think the girls in the in Evolution are a lot better designed as women. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jean is just like supermodel hot. Well, you know, all the rest have very different body styles and really works for them. Uh, one thing that I've always heard from big Kitty Pride fans was they hated Kitty Pride in season one of Evolution. I can see that though. Because Kitty Pride in the comics was not a Valley Girl. Yeah. But they really cut that out. They really cut a lot of that shit out in season two. They really stopped doing that. So, I know the show didn't run enough to get up to the release of The Last Stand. But I was so hoping that this juggernaut would have said at some point, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> they can't fit bitch. I know. But. No, it's the juggernaut bitch thing was stupid. I, I laughed at that. I thought that was funny. The first time that someone dubbed that over the that, that horribly animated scene from 92, it was funny. <laughs> the first time. And then it stopped being funny. And then and then that idiot director of The Last Dance watched it on YouTube and they was like, okay, let's write that in somewhere. <laughs> okay, stupid. It's, uh, no, really, it, I like the Juggernaut in this cartoon more than the one in the old cartoon because his whole thing, you, what are you trying to do, embarrass me, sounds better than, what are you going to do, throw your diaper at me? I mean, what are you going to do, embarrass me, sounds a lot more dignified than what are you going to do, throw your diaper at me? Yeah. I, I, that was I, I, a lot I more dignified. Agree. Well, I, I will agree, uh, but I mean, Juggernaut in the 92 series really had nothing to do. I, I mean, and, and that's the other thing. Juggernaut in the 92 series wasn't locked away in prison. No, he was wandering around until an archaeologist stole his powers, and then the Power Rangers showed up. Oh, God. That really happened. Referencing a very specific episode. That really happened. Oh, I know it happened. And then they played the Power Rangers theme. It happened. Uh, I, I know it happened. You saw it happen? Were you were you as mortified as everybody else in the viewing populace, or did you think, oh, that's cool? I was like, what the hell are they doing? And then and then Cyclops is giving this speech about you have to just be yourself to get girls to this nerdy guy. I think one of the things I liked. Are you, are you, are you gonna address? Are you gonna address that speech, or are you gonna like skirt around that? No. I'm skirting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's there. It's there. It's not the best thing in the world, but it's there. Um, 
I think I mean, is... you talk, talk about evolution, Scott, being a pussy, and you have you have and you have ninety two Scott being girls just want you to be yourself. I I don't know. Why? Um, one of the things I liked about ninety two was they did more time traveling stories, and I I, I like those time travel stories. I, I you know what. I'm done with Days of Future Past. I, I just I just want to have fun stories with the X-Men right now. I mean, if you have to resort to Days of Future Past, why? <laughs> I mean, Days of Future Past was a groundbreaking comic story when it came out, but you don't have to constantly ape on it. And that was the weakness of the 92 series, was they, kept, they had to constantly ape on existing comics that people already read years ago. But see, that's the thing, though. For people like me that never read the comics years ago, it's nice to see... Oh, but hey. the thing is this, Days of Future Past in the comics was a Kitty Pride story, and then, and then they made it a Bishop story, and that made no goddamn fucking sense. But it did for the series because it tied into all the other time travel stories with Bishop. You know what? There's also another line that, that the 92 series did with every character that sucked. Every character said this line. Well, actually, every male character. The names, remember it. Yeah. Gambit said it. Cable said it. Bishop said it. It's a lame line. I agree it is a lame line. I mean, Cable said it like fucking 30 times. But the name's so, Cable. Remember it. But that's because Ooh, Cable yeah. in the series originated the line, and then Gambit took it, and then Bishop took it. That doesn't make it better. That makes it worse. I'm not saying it makes it better or worse. I'm just <laughs> telling you how it happened in the series. It technically it's Gambit. Remember it. Bullshit. <laughs> I, I liked I liked how Gambit explained in Evolution why he does the cards because he says like carrying fifty two grenades. Oh, and that I just wish they would have killed Toad off. And that actually, that was actually badass how he like wrapped Toad up in that in that uh, towel and charged it. Yep, that was cool. And come on, you didn't you didn't like Cajun Spice at all? That was a great episode. It was all right. Come on, you you have Rogue and Gambit together. I thought that would have you like squealing in your fanboy joy. The problem is, he's like twenty years older than she is, or whatever. It just She's too young in that series. That's the problem with Rose. She's eighteen, and he's like, he's like twenty-five. That's not that weird of an age difference. They keep getting younger, and he stays the same age. Crickets chirp. It's no, I got it. It, it took me a minute. Yeah. yeah. And why isn't everybody every time? Even I do. Why is everybody? Everybody says, "Oh, crickets, crickets." No one actually puts crickets in. Great. Because that would be a sound effect. Oh, wait, we've so, done that on this show. We do. It's something. not a. It's not a theme. No, we don't. We don't have a theme for ourselves, Mike. That's the thing. We do play themes from other cartoons when we talk about the cartoons. Yeah. Jesus. Well, I don't have a theme for myself either. But anyway. Um, but to wrap this up, uh, I would recommend Evolution over ninety two because I don't think ninety two is recommendable to a new viewer. Neil. Yeah. I... If I had to recommend one, it would be Evolution. 92, I would not have even recommended it 
in 92. And then we will hear Mike in his blasphemous... Uh... <laughs> Honestly, I recommend Superhero Squad over both of them. <laughs> wow. But if I'm going to pick one as, as my favorite and not a recommendation to people, my favorite is 92. But if you're a new viewer and you want to really get into it, you want to get into the characters, watch Evolution. If you want more adult stories and less of the teenage angst bullshit, watch 92. Gene Scott, come on! And then, and then Wolverine cutting himself in the danger room. Yeah, that's that's not teen angst. That reminds me of every cartoon cliche when they're when they're watching like a like a soap opera. You always hear John Marsha, Gene Scott. Come on, they were really pamming up in '92, dudes. But uh, I am your host, Ben. Jeebies, Mister Neil. Damn you and Mike. All right, and good night. Goodbye.